Bible and look in Matthew chapter 27 this morning. Matthew chapter 27. <clears throat> Matthew 27. <clears throat> sure am glad I'm saved this morning. Glad I'm on the way to heaven. I'm thankful for what Jesus Christ did for me at Calvary. And uh, that's where we'll be looking at our text this morning right here in Matthew 27. I want to try to preach to you a little bit this morning on an honest view of sin, an honest view of sin. There's a tendency of this world and the, your flesh and the devil to glamorize sin. Uh, there's something about this world that makes it very attractive. And, uh, but that's a, you know that somebody's pulling the wool over your eyes and when God wanted you to see what sin really looked at, he showed you at Calvary. And that's what we want to look at this morning. We want to try and paint an honest picture of it. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll look a little bit this morning and uh, we'll see what God's got for us. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness this morning. And Father, I do pray, God, that you'd help us, Lord, this morning. I pray you'd speak to hearts. And Lord, I know things have got a little bit weighty in here, Lord, a little bit of a heavy spirit in here. And I suspect, God, that that might be just from the absence of folks, God, Lord, just not uh, being in their place, but Lord, some of it might be some of the things that have gone on throughout the this week, God, Lord, with some folks, I, I just don't know, but Lord, I know that you know, but God, I also know, Lord, that you know, God, Lord, that what's getting ready to be done this morning is the most important thing, God, that can be done, God, in preparation for this week. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that you'd be merciful to us, God, and help us, Lord. I pray that you'd open our eyes and open our hearts God, help us to see what it is that needs to be seen this morning. Help me to preach, God, as I ought to, Lord. Help me to represent these things, God, truthfully and honestly, Lord. God, under the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 27, I want you to look with me in verse 26. The Bible said, Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took, a, took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him, and put his own raiment on him, and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments casting lots that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down they watched him there and set up over his head this, his accusation, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. On the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. 
Let him deliver him now if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, when the Lord gets ready to describe the effects of sin, he does that right here at the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you hold your place there in Matthew chapter 27 and turn with me and look in James chapter 1, look with me in James chapter 1 very quickly. Let me uh, point out a verse of scripture over here in the book of James. James chapter 1 and verse 15. James chapter 1 verse 15 <clears throat> You can tell how backslid you are by how cold you are to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Uh, when you get to the place where the crucifixion of Jesus Christ doesn't do much for you, you're far from God, my friend. You're in a bad, you're in a bad way. When you've got no more appreciation for what Christ did for you, you're in a bad way. James chapter 1 verse 15 said, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And, and sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. You know what that says? It says sin's a killer. That's what it says. Look with me in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 very quickly. Romans chapter 6 this morning. Romans chapter 6 and I want you to look in verse 23. You probably quote this verse of scripture. I hope you can. If not, you should go home and memorize it today. Romans chapter 6 verse 23. In Romans chapter 6 sin is mentioned 17 times. It's a lot of times to mention the word sin. And the last time it's mentioned, it's mentioned right here in verse 23 where it says, for the wages of sin is death. You know, what, you know what that verse says? It says the same thing that James chapter 1 says. It says sin's a killer. Sin's a killer. Uh, let me say this morning that sin's a killer and that's all it knows to do. Sin's a killer. That's all it's ever going to do. You get your life wrapped up in iniquity and get your life wrapped up in transgression against God, and you're going to die. And the more you get your life wrapped up in iniquity and transgression against God, the faster you're going to die. Listen, for all of the promises that sin makes, for all the promises of the good times and for all of the glamour that it holds out in front of your face, when sin gets done with you, you are going to be dead and in the grave. When sin gets done with you, your family's going to be in shambles. Your mind is going to be all over the place. You're not going to be able to think clearly. You're not going to have any joy in your heart. Sin's a killer. It's a killer. It's a killer. And listen, when sin comes to you, it's never going to be presented that way. When sin's presented to you, it's always going to have the face of some pretty girl or the face of some handsome fella. Or it's going to have some good time with a, a, a painted right in front of you with some fella or some gal with a beer in her hand. Or it's going to have some joint between somebody's fingers. It's always going to have something painted out uh, before you to make it look like that sin's going to be a good time. But I'm telling you, when sin gets done with you this morning, you're going to be dead. Because it's a killer. That's all it knows to do. You say, well, isn't there some kind of pleasure in sin? I, I, I'll, I'll go with you on that. Absolutely, there is pleasure in sin. Else, what would be the allure? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, that says that Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. 
See, that's, that's the problem. Listen, that's the problem with sin this morning. That's the problem with beer drinking. That's the problem with gambling. That's the problem with smoking and chewing and doing all kinds of drugs. That's the problem with carousing. That's the problem with gossiping and backbiting and being bitter against your fellow Christians. The problem, the problem with it is that when it gets all done with you, you're going to be in a mess. You're going to be, you're going to be right down in the bottom of the gutter. You're not going to be exalted to any kind of high position. You're going to be in the gutter. There's pleasure with sin, but it's for a season. It's, it's a short time. But you know, if you give your heart to Jesus, if you'll follow Jesus as a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you trust Christ as your Savior, and then follow him and be a disciple of Jesus Christ, the Bible says in the book of Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, it says David was praying and he said, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Forevermore. I mean, y'all just, 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 just contain yourself. I know that's really hard to, you know, just hold yourself together. But I mean, that, that's a little something to be thrilled to death about. I mean, just, just a little bit. I mean, if you can't die sinning, it'd be better to die rejoicing. Hey, at, at God's right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. Listen, what sin promises you, God really has in store for you if you get, get along with God, if you get along with God, if you follow God. What sin makes the empty promise to give you? God's really got the goods. God can really supply it. Absolutely, absolutely. When somebody tells you that it's fun to smoke a joint, nobody tells you the lifestyle that comes along with the drug culture. Huh? When somebody tells you that it's fun to drink a beer, nobody tells you the, the pot belly that you get when you drink a, when you drink a keg of beer. Huh? Nobody tells you the cirrhosis of the liver that's waiting in store for you from drinking all that trash. Did you know that the reason that you get cirrhosis of the liver when you drink beer is because your liver cannot filter out that trash? You're putting poison into your system. What well, always gets quiet around here when we start preaching about beer? And I don't know why that is. If you're drinking beer, you need to stop it. You ain't right with God. You ain't, you ain't right with God if you're drinking beer. I don't care what your favorite preacher says. I don't care what your grandma says. You ungodly. You need to quit drinking that foolishness. You say, you say well, the Bible says use a little wine for your stomach's sake. Okay, use it for your stomach's sake. I'm not going to argue with that. If you're going to use wine for your stomach's sake, use it for your stomach's sake. But that ain't drinking socially. Huh? That ain't slipping around the backside of the barn and taking a nip on it when you ain't got nothing wrong. And when you just feel like, well, I just need a little buzz to get me a little loose. You're too loose already. You need to tighten up, sucker. Quit drinking. Amen. Amen. You say, how long are you going to preach on drinking? As soon as you start saying amen every time I hit it. Man, quit drinking, you old slouch, you old drunkard. You old drunkard. I know, I know you feel like you got to get your little buzz off of liquor every once in a while to make you feel good. Man, you, you got the wrong kind of feeler. Jesus can make you feel good. Did you, know, did you know that the Lord can do, God can make you feel good. God can make you feel good even when you're going through trouble. Hey Amen, he sure can. Nobody tells you all the sorrow and the heartache that's associated with that stuff. Nobody tells you all the, all, all, the, all the people that have died from getting in a car, getting in a vehicle, intoxicated. 
Uh, see, that stuff is never pointed out. You know why liquor, why the liquor traffic, you know, they used to preach against this stuff real hard. But you know why preachers have quit drinking it? Because preachers is drinking. Let, let me just say this. If you're listening to a preacher that's drinking on a regular basis, you listen to the wrong kind of preacher. You're listening to a preacher that's no count. And you send money to that kind of preacher, you're sending your money to the wrong place. Amen. 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 I wouldn't go to a church. I wouldn't mess around with a religion that puts their hand on some kind of alcohol traffic except to stop it. Amen. Amen. See, nobody tells you the, all the sorrow and the heartache. Listen, when somebody, when, when some boy or girl entices you to get in the back seat of a Chevrolet, nobody tells you all the heartache that's going to come from the abortion that's right down around the corner. Huh? Uh, listen, we're not going to let up on abortion just because the Supreme Court said it was, against, it was unconstitutional or against the law to kill you unborn babies. There's still idiots that think that it's okay. I wouldn't be surprised if they was hiding right in little independent Baptist churches like this. You full of hell if you think it's all right to have an abortion. You are full of hell. You say, Brother Nathan, I, I've had an abortion in my, in my life. Well, listen, let me just give you some advice. Don't tell nobody. Keep that to yourself. And then get on your knees and say, God, I'm sorry, because it ain't right. And if you've done that, then you can know of a surety. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins... He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, even abortion. But don't be, don't be bragging about it. Amen. Amen. Nobody tells you. Nobody tells you the sorrow and the heartache that you're going to have when you crawl in the back seat of that vehicle from having a baby out of wedlock. That's, that's the fad now. That's the fad now. Now Christians is getting all upset with preachers that's preaching against that, foolish, that foolishness. How dare you preach against my daughter? How dare you preach against my little boy? Well, I mean, all he is is just a little whoremonger. Oh, all you preachers do is pick on these, all these girls that got pregnant out of wedlock. No, we pick on the boys too because there ain't no count. I don't know, Brother Tommy, I don't know of too many boys. I, I'm sure there's some. And I, I'm, glad that, I'm glad they take their licks on the knuckles and bear up under the responsibility and do the right thing. Of course, they should have done right, the right thing before they got in bed. Yeah. I'm trying to be a little discreet for sake of mixed company this morning, but I'm not going to bear up. On, I'm not going to let, let up on this stuff. But, you know, uh, I don't know of too many fellows that have gone wrong in that kind of thing that will turn around and take responsibility for the thing that they made and say, you know what, I'm going to marry this gal and we're going to make the best part of it. Hey, if you've done that, praise the Lord. If, if you got involved in that situation and you uh, did the right thing, thank God. But I don't know of too many fellows that will do that. Usually, once a girl gets pregnant and she's uh, turned from a Coke bottle figure into a two-liter, the fella's high and dry. He'll live. That, that might be a little bit crude. I, I'm not trying to hurt you ladies' feelings by saying something like that. That might be a little bit crude. But you know that's the God's honest truth. As soon as that fella gets what he wants, as soon as that fella gets exactly what he's looking for and your body changes, he'll just leave out. But see, sin never presents that stuff to you right, on, right, right up front. That's all stuff that you've got to find out afterwards. You're driving down to Jacksonville and see these big ads with some lady sitting in her underwear up there. I mean, in broad daylight, that's stuff that was going on in France years ago. Now it's come to the United States of America. Boy, we've really advanced, haven't we? No, we've got godless and depraved is what our problem is. It ain't normal. It ain't right. It just ain't right. It ain't right. It's sin. 
uh, see somebody present that stuff to you and say, hey, doesn't this look so good? Well, what about afterwards? Huh? What about when sin gets done with you? Well, I sure, I sure get a nice little buzz shooting some heroin in my vein. You sure could. You could also find out that that heroin's laced with fentanyl. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just straight heroin. Put a little too much in there. Let's see what'll happen. See, nobody tells you about any of that stuff. Nobody tells you about any of that kind of stuff. All it is is just, hey, man, just live for you, man. Just live it up. Have a good time. That's what sin does. So if you're going to get an honest view of sin, you know where you're going to have to look? You're going to have to look right where God says to look. You're going to have to look in the Scripture. And listen, I don't know of a better place to get a good view of sin than to look right here at the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ because that, that is what sin does. It kills. You know what killed Jesus? Your sin. Because he didn't have any. He had no sins of his own to kill him. So you know what killed him? It was your sin. It was your lying. It was your cheating. It was your stealing. It was your disobedience. It was your hard-headedness. It was your rebellion. It's you, man. Your sin is what put Jesus on the cross. It's your sin. And how it is in God's name that Christians can be more sympathetic with sin and sinners how it is that Christians can be more sympathetic with drunkards and fornicators and dopers than they are with Jesus Christ who loved himself enough to lay down his own life. How it is you can be more sympathetic with that stuff. I don't know. I don't understand. You full of the devils all I can figure. You straight out of the pits of hell. You might be lost as a, as a goose in a hailstorm. Yes, sir. Who are you preaching to, Brother Nathan? The people that's here, I guess. That's all I know. That's all I know to do. Let me say this. First of all, look here in verse 29. The Bible says, And when they had planted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him, and they mocked him. They mocked him. They mocked him and said, Hail, King of the Jews. You know what sin's going to do to you? Sin's going to do what it's done to every man it's ever gotten a hold of before, every woman that it's ever gotten a hold of before. It's going to make a mockery of you. It's going to mock you. It's going to make fun of you. You know, from the very beginning, it was said that Jesus Christ was the king of the Jews, and he was. Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, there were some wise men, and there wasn't three, by the way. The Bible doesn't say that there was three. There might have been three. It just doesn't say. There's three gifts. That's why you think there was three wise men. All it says, though, is that there was wise men. And they came, and they, you know what they said? They said, where is he that's born king of the Jews? He was the king of the Jews. Well, now you get in here and you, you get here in Matthew 27 and you see a clear view. You see a clear picture of the fact that what got a hold of Jesus is your sin, it's your iniquity, and now it's mocking him. It's making fun of him. Hail, king of the Jews. And let me tell you something. When sin gets a hold of you, when sin gets in your life, that's exactly what it's going to do to you. It's going to make, make fun of you. Sin gets its grubby hands and its greasy hands all over your life. It's going to make fun of you. It's going to make a mockery of you. Listen, sin doesn't care who it makes fun of whether it's humanity or whether it's deity. Sin don't, sin don't, makes me wonder, makes me wonder why some folks are so brave as to make fun of the things of God. Why some people are so, so, so unabashed about mocking spiritual things and mocking things that deal with the local New Testament church. Hey, you do know that Jesus Christ died for the church. Regardless of what you think about it, Jesus Christ gave his life for the, for the church. 
He gave himself for his, the church, which the Bible says, which is his body. Jesus Christ sought it out. He looked for it, and he gave his life for it. Whatever you think about it, Jesus holds it in high regard. And listen, I'd get God's opinion about things before I'd take my own opinion about things. If I looked at something and counted it something so light and counted it something so unworthy of high regard, and then I found out, hey, Jesus looks at that and counts it with high regard, I'd do my best to change my heart about the thing. Yes, sir. You wonder why some folks can lay out on Wednesday night? Yes, sir. It's because they, they count what Jesus counts as something that's important to Jesus. They count it as something that's not so important to them. Amen. That's right. That's right. Sin's serious business. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 9, it says, Fools, fools, fools make a mock at sin. You know who makes fun about sinful things? Fools. Are you a fool? You know what? If, if you make fun of sinful things, you are no better. You are no better. You are no better than an atheist. Oh, no, not me, Brother Nathan. I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins. I believe Jesus came. I believe in God. The Bible says the fool is set in his heart. The fool. The fool is set in his heart. There is no God. Well, that same kind of guy is the guy who makes fun of sin. Sin's serious business. It's not something to be made fun of. It's something to be taken into serious consideration. It's pitiful. It's a pitiful, treacherous thing to see Christians making so, so light of sinful things. Huh? I'm talking about when Christians that's singing on the platforms in their own local churches can wear booty shorts. I'm talking about ladies. Of course, I did see a fellow the other day that was wearing yoga pants. That's a, that's a pretty weird thing. Of course, I don't think he was a Christian. I don't think he, I, I, I know he wasn't a Christian, but I don't even think he made a profession of faith. But nonetheless, that's a pretty strange thing when a fellow starts wearing yoga pants, especially when he's 60 years old. That's even weirder. Yeah. Old timer wearing yoga pants, you full of hell, son. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I don't care who your daddy was. I don't care what, what school of thought you're from. You full of the devil. Yeah. But you get these, get these folks that can get around and start laughing about their family members <clears throat> being homosexuals, boys liking boys. Hey, I don't even joke about that stuff. I don't joke about that stuff. We don't joke about transgender garbage in my family. We don't joke about homosexuals. God said it's an abomination. God hates it. God hates it. God said the people that do those things is worthy. They're worthy. It doesn't tell you to put them to death, but it does say that they're worthy of death. In the Old Testament, under the Old Testament law, in the nation, in the nation of Israel, this is not Israel, but in the nation of Israel, he said, you to put them to death. Man that lie with man as he does with a woman, you to put him to death. We don't make fun of that kind of stuff around my house. And God help you. God help you if you say that you're a Christian. I love Jesus. No, you don't. Not if you're making fun of that kind of trash. You don't love nothing but you. You don't love the no nothing but the lust of your own flesh. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. You want to sit around and make fun of that stuff like that? You are full of the devil. That's somebody that's been more influenced by HGTV Huh? You've been more influenced by Fox News. Oh, Brother Nathan, Fox News is conservative news. They're straight out of hell. Straight out of hell. You don't have to say amen. 
That, that's all right. You just sit there and just listen real close. It's wicked. It's ungodly. It's ungodly. Don't, you don't, God don't care how you feel about it. God cares about what he said. He said fools make a mock at sin. Fools make a mock at sin. Are you a fool? Oh, did you see that old drunkard down there, Brother Chris? That's not something to laugh at. See some fellow that has to prop up against the fence post because he can't even see straight to walk down the street? That ain't nothing to laugh at. See some fellow that's sitting around in an open living room laying around with needles and syringes laying around because he overdosed or because he's on a high and he's gone and taken a trip somewhere in his own mind? That ain't nothing to laugh about. That's sin. That's sin. When it gets done with you, it's going to kill you. It's going to kill you graveyard dead. It's going to kill you because that's what sin does. All this laughing about all the homosexuals and making jokes amongst your own family, that's going to kill you one day. It's going to kill you one day. I don't even imitate. I, you say, why are you on this? Because it needs to be got on and the bell needs to be rung as loud as it can be rung. I don't even talk with a lisp imitating a homosexual. Don't, don't want to make fun of that stuff at all. You say, why? Because it's sin. It's sin. It's sin. The moment you start laughing about it is the moment that the edge gets cut off. Yes, sir. Get your little will and grace. Huh? Some of y'all probably don't even know who that is. And if you don't, praise God. I hope you don't. Will and Grace was a, 90s, a 1990s sitcom TV show like Friends. You know what friends is? That's code for fornicators. That's code for adulterers. I'm talking about the TV show. I'm not talking about real friends. I'm talking about the TV show. That's code for just whoremongers and whores. That's all that is. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You want to watch that trash, you help yourself. God, God looks at it and says it's nasty. Oh, but it's funny. That's my point. That's my point. My point is they put little will and grace on there. Here's this man and here's this lady. And then they got this little funny flamboyant fella over here off to the side who's the funniest guy on the whole show. Get you to start laughing about it. And as soon as you start laughing about it, well, he's not so bad after all. I think all these independent fundamentals, Baptists, I think they got the wrong idea about these homosexuals. No, we got the right idea because we got our ideas from God. It's a sin. It's an abomination. God don't give a rip how funny you are. Listen, if you don't get your life right with God, that sin's going to put its claws into your neck and it's going to kill you dead. Yes, sir. I ain't met I ain't met one homosexual yet. I ain't met one, and I've met some of them. I used to work with them on a regular basis. I ain't met one homosexual yet that's ever had joy in their heart. Huh? I ain't met one homosexual yet that's ever had peace, that's ever had joy, that's ever had any sense of uh, contentment and satisfaction. I met one. They're miserable as the devil. I ain't met one fellow that's ever been given over to beer, that's ever been satisfied with life. I ain't never met a dope smoker. I ain't never met a fornicator that's ever been happy. I've, I've met some of those folks that have done that kind of stuff. And got right with God and they're happy. I've met some of those folks that have done that kind of stuff and got saved and God took the old gospel broom and came into their life and cleaned them out. I've met some of those folks that's got joy down in their heart. They're now singing, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on a tack. Ow! That's right. 
what's going on right now is a lot of Christians are sitting on the tack. Huh? You're trying to justify things. God said it's going to kill you. It's going to kill you. It's going to kill you. It's going to make fun of you. You remember, uh, I believe it was old Jeconiah. I think it was Jeconiah, but it was one of those kings that was getting ready to go into captivity when Israel, when Jerusalem, uh, Judah was getting ready to go into captivity. And he came to old Jeremiah and he said, is there any word from the Lord? And you know what Jeremiah said? Jeremiah said, there is. But he said, if I tell you, all you're going to do is put me back in prison down there in that dungeon. All you're going to do is take my head off. And he said, no, he said, I'm not going to do that. He said, I really do want a word from God. And he said, well, God tells you, you better just go on down there. You better submit to your punishment. You've lived a wicked life, and all these Israelites have lived wicked. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but this is what Jeremiah was saying. He said, God said, you better just submit to the arm of Nebuchadnezzar and go into captivity down there with him. You know what that old king said? You know what that old buzzard said? He said, I can't do that. Jeremiah said, why not? He said, I'm afraid that all these princes in Judah and Jerusalem are going to make fun of me. I can't submit to the chastening hand of God because I'm afraid people's going to make fun of me. Well, let me tell you something. If you don't get right with God, I'm telling you, dear Christian, I'm telling you, sinner, if you don't get right with God, sin's going to make fun of you. The very thing that you're making fun of is the very thing that's going to come back one day and it's going to get a hold of you and it's going to have the laughing stock of the prairie, buddy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Very thing. Listen, the very thing that's making fun of you that you're making fun of is the thing that's going to come back and get a hold of your family. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If you can laugh about men wearing dresses. Hmm? I'm talking I'm not talking about lost folks. I'm talking about Christians, professing Christians. Uh, laugh about fellas wearing dresses. Well, I mean, we're selling dresses to transgender folks. I mean, how can we do that if if our fellas, if our men don't wear dresses, I'll tell you how they don't have to, because they're not perverts. You don't have to say amen. It'd be okay. I'm going to preach anyway. Transgender people are not people that are confused. They're perverts. Homosexuals are not people that are looking for an alternate lifestyle. They're perverts. That's what God said anyway. Whether you agree with it or not, that's what God said it is. You won't make fun of that kind of stuff. What you don't know is that one day your little boy or your little girl is going to come to your house and say, hey, I'm homosexual. Of course, by that time, you're probably going to be okay with it. Of course, truth be told, you're probably already okay with it. So, oh, no, Brother Nathan, not anybody in independent Baptist churches. I could name them. I could name them. I could name them. I'm about half tempted to do so this morning, but I'm not going to do that. It's ungodly. It's ungodly. It's ungodly. Let me tell you something. If I ever find out, I'll just say this. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a lord. I'm not trying to be a tyrant here as a pastor in this church, but I don't feel like this is tyranny. I just feel like this is righteousness. If I ever find out, if I ever find out that any of you fellas that hold an office right here in this church is ever making fun of stuff like that, you will be done immediately. Immediately, right now, today, you're done. Oh, Brother Nathan, I don't think I want to sit under a pastor like that. Well, that's all I can tell you. You say, well, why would you do something like that? A man that looks at something like that, that looks at sin and makes fun of it and makes light of it, does not need to have any kind of influence on this group of people. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You gals get to where you're starting to make fun of stuff like that, you'll be done singing. You'll be done. Don't want you to have no influence in this church. You can sit on your rump and just be quiet. And we, the people who believe right, 
the people who believe what God said will have, will have an influence on you. Well, I just don't think I can go to church like that. Bye. I don't want you to go. I'm not trying to run you off this morning. But if that's the way that you look at things, that's not a biblical outlook. And we, we want to stick with the Bible. We don't want to stick with somebody that loves sin. Yes, sir. Boy, we're having fun this morning. That's not bravado. That's not somebody sticking their chest out and saying, hey, look at me, I'm the pastor, and it's going to be my way or the highway. That's somebody saying, hey, this is what God said. This is the way that it has to be. Otherwise, we're not going to have a church. We're going to have a zoo. Yes, sir. Where you start having people standing up singing every Sunday, and when they're going around to their family reunions and sitting around with their family and saying, hey, you want to go do this? No, I don't want to go. Well, hey, there's girls there. Well... No, I still don't want to go. Well, hey, there's boys there too if, you want to, if you're into that too. No, you're full of hell is what your problem is. And I don't care who lets you do what in their church. You are full of hell. Brother Nathan, I think you're trying to deal with something specific. I am. I am. I mean, it's not being dealt with anywhere else. So I'm going to just stand up and say, hey, it ain't right. I don't care what kind of title you got in any kind of a church. You wrong as hell. You are straight flat, backslid, if you're even saved. I'm saved. Okay, I'll take your word at it. But you backslid. Brother Curtis, I've never, I have never run up on a pygmy rattlesnake out here on church property and looked at it and made fun of it. I've never done that. I've never ran up on a pygmy rattlesnake and looked at it and said, oh, it's not a big deal. Every time we was back here, I forget what we was doing, July 4th, I think is what it was. Wasn't it July 4th? I was back out here and cooking on the grill. And lo and behold, there's a little pygmy rattlesnake curled up like that. You know what I did? I ran inside and poked my head inside the fellowship door. And I said, hey, one of you ladies, help me out. And Miss Jessie came around and I said, go in my office and get my 22. You keep guns in your office? Yes. Keep your kids out of my office. I keep it, keep it in my office for situations exactly like that. I said, go get me a 22. You say, what'd you do? I eliminated the problem. Yeah. I didn't, listen, I didn't, sit in, I didn't sit out back and poke at it with a stick. I left it alone until I got a 22 barrel about that far from his head. And I said, pow! And when his head was hanging off, I said, pow! And when his head was almost completely severed, I said, Pow! And I missed that time, I think. But I got him good. You know what you're going to have to do if you're going to deal with sin? You're going to have to quit making fun of it. You're going to have to start dealing with it. You're going to have to start dealing with it. You're going to have to quit letting this thing be funny to you. And you're going to have to look at it and say, hey, if I don't, if I don't quit making a mock of this thing, it's going to make a mock of me. Yes, sir. You're going to deal with it. Listen, if I don't deal with it, it might get me. If I, don't, if I didn't deal with that rattlesnake, it might have got me. The other possibility is that it wouldn't have got me, it had got my kids. You know, I'd hate, I'd hate as an independent Baptist preacher to stand up and preach against beer drinking my entire ministry, only to have my kids turn into sock drunks because I let a little something across my television with some fellas drinking. Huh? I never said anything about it. Old White Earp. Old Kevin Costner. You know who Kevin Costner is? He played Wyatt Earp. You know where Kevin Costner started out? He started out in church. Yes, sir. 
Kevin Costner got up and gave a te- he stood up and gave a speech. I was going to say a testimony. It ain't no testimony. He gave up. And get, he stood up and gave a speech at Whitney Houston's funeral. I almost said her wedding, but that wouldn't be right. Might be close, but so you you're so upset you can't even laugh about that stuff. That's okay. Uh, but he stood up and gave a little speech, and he said, you know, he said I remember when my daddy was going to church, and he said I'd walk into church and lean up against the pulpit. And he said, in my mind, I was imagining that it was a bar and I was leaning up, sliding my, gra- my glass across for a drink of whiskey. Well, I'd hate, I'd hate to be involved with the church only to have my kids go out and be sock drunks, preaching against it only because I let a guy like Kevin Costner influence my kids to think, yeah, that's cool. Hmm? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It, you make fun of it. It's going gonna, it's it's to get a hold of you. It's going to get a hold of you. It's going to get a hold of your kids. I can think of nothing worse than to never step out on my dear wife. Only to have my kids grow up and be fornicators and whoremongers and whores. Yes, sir. Just because of what I let them watch on YouTube or Disney Plus. You don't have have to go on to YouTube to find all the trash. You don't have to go on to some pornography site anymore. All you've got to do is turn on Disney Plus. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What's all this stuff? What's all this stuff with Frozen? What's all this stuff with Elsa and Anna? You know, Elsa's got this superpower, and she doesn't feel like she can fit in with the whole, uh, the whole of society. And the whole underlying theme of that Frozen movie is just come out, be yourself, you're special. You think there's not an agenda with that trash? I know there's an agenda. I know there's an agenda. You help yourself. You want to go down there and kiss all over Mickey Mouse. You're just full of the devil. That's all there is to it. You need to get right with God and forsake that foolishness. Since we're there, let's just go ahead and make it worse. Let's just go ahead and make it worse, Brother Devin. Years ago, back in the 90s, back in the 80s, there used to be this little movie with a little girl swimming around in her underwear. A little cartoon. You say, what are you talking about, Brother I'm talking about the little mermaid. Huh? You don't, you don't think nothing about that. I mean, it's just a, just a girl in her, in her bathing suit. Look how far we've come now. Hmm? Now mamas and daddies don't think nothing about taking the kids out to a beach and putting them in a two-piece bathing suit. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You don't have to say amen, but it's right. It's right. When, when we brought up my little girl, when we brought up my little girl, I told my wife, I told my wife, I said, don't you ever, don't you ever put her in a two-piece piece bathing suit. Amen. And at first she didn't understand. She didn't look at me. She, she said, why? She said, I don't really understand your rationale. I said, because if it ain't right for her to do it 20 years old, why start to teach her at two and three that it's okay? I said, you make her wear when she's two and three years old what she's going to have to wear when she's 20. Huh? Unless you want to be a hypocrite. Teacher, it's okay to run around in her drawers when she's a little baby and then turn around and try and get all that stuff unengrained in her when she's 14 and 15 and 16 and 17 and nature's starting to happen. You're out of your ever-loving mind if you think you're going to unteach her all that stuff you taught her when she was three and four years old. Amen. Not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Well, we'll find out when sin gets a hold of your family. We'll find out when sin gets a hold of your life. Samson played around with harlots his entire life, and one day, by the means of a horsewoman, you know what happened? His eyes got put out. Philistines, a type of the flesh in the Bible, came and got him. You know what they did? They carried him down there to Gaza, I believe it was. They 
carried him down there and put him in the grinding house and made him grind meal. You know what he was doing? He's just going in circles. Brother Nathan, I don't feel like I'm making any progress. It's probably because your eyes have been put out by sin. The one thing that you couldn't get under control, the one thing that you wouldn't. It's not that you couldn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't get it under control. Now it's put your eyes out and you can't see and you ain't making no progress. And you say, I feel like I'm just going in circles. That's because sin put your eyes out. Put your eyes out. Yes, sir. First Samuel chapter 15, here comes a man by the name of Saul. God puts him on the, on the throne and God says, I tell you what, I remember what there's a, group, a particular group of people. I remember what they did to Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt and how they treated them so bad. And he said, Saul, I want you to go down there and I want you to wipe them all out. Man, woman, child, suckling, all the animals. Anything that has to do with this group of people, I want you to wipe them out. You say, who's that group of people? Amalek. Yes, sir, the Amalekites. You know who Amalek was? Amalek's a descendant of Esau, that carnal man. That man who looked at the things of God and said, I ain't got no use for that. The Bible said in the book of Hebrews that he was a profane person. Look at God's things. Look at holy things. Not a big deal. I, I don't need this birthright. Amalek, he's, he's a grandson or great-grandson of Esau. Saul, God told Saul, go in there and wipe them out. Wipe them out. Saul went in there and he looked around and he said, well, this ain't so bad. This ain't so bad. I think God's just a little bit extreme. We're going to save this, and we're going to save this, and we're going to save their king, and we're going to save this. Oh, but we're going to save it to sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Say, pious, real pious. Why wasn't you in church on Sunday morning? Well, I was out in nature, worshiping God by myself. You ain't worshiping God by yourself. The Bible said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. I worship God down at my house. I stood right here and told a fellow, you need to be in church. He's lost. I said, but you need to be in church. He said, well, I worship God down at my house. I said, you can't. What do you mean? Ain't God any, everywhere? I said, yeah. But I said, down at your house, you're not gathered in his name. you gathered in your name. That's why it's called your house. You know what this is called? I rest my case. That's not very hard. Hey, a Methodist, when they look, when they look at their little meeting house, you know what the, un, the underlying mentality is? Hey, that's God's house. Might not be anymore, but that's the impression that there is. Anyway, that's a little side trail, but that's true nonetheless. Well, I'm, I'm going to save this. Saul said, I'm going to save this for, to sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Samuel came along and he said, hey, did you do what God told you to do? Oh, yes. I did exactly what God told me to do. And about that time, a little lamb said, Mah. Mah. Samuel said, then what's this bleeding of the sheep that I hear? And he said, well, well the people. Sounds about like Eve. Sounds about like Adam. The people told me to save that, and we're going to sacrifice that to the Lord. And Samuel said, you stand right here for just a second, sucker, and let me tell you what God told me last night. He said, when you was little in your own sight, God said, when you was little in your own sight, didn't God exalt you to be king over the whole land of Israel? And he said, yeah. He said, well, then why do you think you got too big for your britches and now you're okay to disobey the Lord? He said, you've looked at this thing and you've disobeyed God. And he said, because of this, because you've rejected the word of the Lord, God has rejected you from being king over Israel. And you know what Saul lost? He lost. He's still sitting on the throne. Still 
in name. He's still king. But you know what he lost? He lost his power. He had no more power. He had no more power to be king. And you know what over, overcame him? You know what ate him up? Spirit of envy. They've ascribed to David ten thousands, but to me only thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? Well, I don't know. God's already taken it from you, doofus. That's not David's fault. That's your fault because you was disobedient. That's because you looked at something that God said, It's ungodly! Get rid of it! And you said, I don't, I don't think that that's the right attitude to have about all this stuff. It, surely it's not all that bad. Surely Disney's not all that bad. Huh? Surely four hours of YouTube ain't all that bad. Brother Nathan, you do know that it's 15 minutes after 12. I know. We'll let you out here in just a second. This time tomorrow. Huh? You know what he lost? He lost his power. He lost his power. First uh, Samuel chapter 31, Second Samuel chapter 1. Old Saul has got to the place to where he's crippled and he can't, he can't stand up on his two feet because the Philistines is running hard after him. And he's got to the place to where he's so give out and he's so dead and he's so tired. He's so given up and just want to end it all. Sounds like what happens when a sin gets a hold of a fella. No, no reason for living. And he looked over and he saw a young man. And he said, hey boy, come here. And that young fella ran over to him. And he said, I want you to just put, out, put me out of my misery. Just, just kill me. Just put me out of my misery. The boy pulled out his sword. He said, okay. So I said, I got one question for you before you strike me dead. He said, who are you? And he said, I'm an Amalekite. I'm an Amalekite. The thing that Saul refused to deal with in 1 Samuel chapter 15 is the thing that dealt him his death blow. Let me tell you something. What killed Saul, that place where he died in 1 Samuel chapter 31 or 30, whatever it was last chapter, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel chapter 1, that same place where he died is the same place where all three of his boys died. It didn't just get him. It got him and his family, his whole family. It's going to get you. You say, why? Because that's what sin does. It gets you. You play around with it all you want to. and You act like it's not a big deal. You get mad, at, mad as hell at a preacher for telling you, you keep making jokes about that stuff and you keep laughing about that stuff. You can get mad at me if you want to. It's not between me and you. It's between you and your God. It's between you and your sin. You laugh about that stuff all you want to, but I'm telling you one day you've made light of it for year after year after year. And not only is it going to come and get you, it's going to come and get your babies. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let me tell you something. Sin's got a heavy load to bear. When Jesus came out, they put a cross on his shoulders. Sin's got a heavy load to bear. Sin's got, sin has no dignity. It's got no honor. Yes, sir. When they paint up the Lord Jesus is dying at Calvary, they always paint him with a loincloth on. You know why they do that? They do that for sake of decency. But when Christ died, he didn't die with clothes on. Sin don't care who you are. Sin don't care about your dignity. It don't care about your honor. Sin's got bigger people than me and you. Sin didn't care that David was a king. You know what, you know what sin will do? Sin will take a king and make him a pauper. Sin will, sin will get a hold of a king and destroy a king's life 
the same way that it destroyed a drunk in a gutter. Destroys family the same way that it destroyed a fella in the gutter. Job said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. When a man comes into this world, he spends his entire life trying to get stuff. And you know, by the time it's all over, sin's taking it all away. Yes, sir. Sin's destroyed it. Let me ask you a question this morning. If you came to me and said, Brother Nathan, I need a job, and I've heard that you have got some work for me that I could do, and you've got enough money that you could pay me to do it, I'd like to work for you for a little while. And I said, okay. I said, okay. I said, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm going to hire you, and I'm going to pay you $3,000 a month to work for me for a year. Well, that's not a whole lot of money, but that's, what, about $36,000? Did I do my math right? You could live off that. That'd be a tight squeeze, but you could do that. Sure. And I said, okay, you're going to work for me for the first year, $3,000 a month, and then next year, I'm going to double your pay. That's pretty good. And I, when I told you that, I said, well, I said, but there's only one thing about it. I said, I got to be upfront with you. I want to be perfectly honest with you. I said, by the time you get done with your second year, I'm going to kill you. I don't know how I'm going to kill you. I might strangle you. I might cut your throat. I might hang you. I might bury you alive, but I'm going to kill you, and you're going to be dead. Well, boy, all that joy that you thought you had about coming to work for me and getting double pay, that just kind of removes all that ambition, don't it? Well, see, that's what sin does. Sin says, you come serve me. Come work for me. I'll give you a good time. You say, boy, yes, sir, I, I like this. Look at the pretty girls. Look at the good feelings. Boy, this is going to be a great time, man. We're going to love it. Next year rolls around, and boy, it gets better. Man, you really gotten in with the in crowd, and man, you really accepted with all these people. That's how the prodigal son operated. Leave home with all this riches that he didn't work for. He inherited it. Daddy gave it to him. Left home with all this stuff and got down there at the bar and said, Free drinks on me, boys! And then all of a sudden, when all the money ran out, it just so happened at the same time, a famine rose up in that country, and he didn't have nothing. And all his friends left, and nobody gave unto him. I guess I'm going to have to go feed these old hogs. I wonder if somebody would have told the boy that that was going to be the end of the road for him. I wonder how eager he would have been to leave home. He'd have probably done what a lot of Baptists do. No, no, you, you, I'm different. Not me, preacher. Oh, yeah, you, especially you, especially you, hardhead. You're going to be the first one that sin gets a hold of because of how rebellious you are. Hey, don't, don't marry. I, I'm, I'm talking to Brother Lucian Casey because he's a fella and this don't apply to him. But, you know, you look at some gals and say, don't marry that fella. He's going to be bad for you. He's going to pull you out of church. Oh, no, not me. Okay. It's what it's going to do. You're not special. You're not special, girls. Hey, girls, girls, you're not special. Sin to get a hold of you wants to wreck your life just the same way that it wants to wreck any drunkard that's ever sat in here. Sin wants to get a hold of you and destroy you up one side and down the other. Hmm? Little picture that looks like it seems like it's real fun to look at for a little while. Little bit, little little video that seems like it's fun. It's gonna kill you. It's gonna kill you. It's gonna kill you. 
sitting somewhere in the darkness of your room shooting that stuff into your veins. It's going to destroy your life. God help the preacher. God help the preacher that stands up and says, you ought not to talk to God's people that way. That's so hard. That's so mean. That fella is a rascal. He's a reprobate, Mike Norman. He's a reprobate. He's a reprobate. Sit up. Oh, Brother Nathan, you done called somebody's name. Sure did. Sure did. Some preachers stand up and say, hey, you better preach. You better preach to your congregation, these young fellas. You better preach to these young boys. I don't think anybody ought to talk to God's people that way. Okay. Well, go on. Let, let these nice, fine church folks go on. Let them shoot dope in their veins and turn up dead. I don't like you calling my favorite preachers that. All, I, all I'm telling you is that it ain't right. God help the preacher that'll take up for sinners. When that's what's killing people, it puts your Savior to death, son. It killed your, pre- it killed your Savior. I tend to get on my knees and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for sending me a rebuke. God, thank you, God, for dealing with my heart through that loudmouth preacher. God, help him not to stop. Yes, sir. Sin's going to wreck your family. It's going to wreck you. <laughs> Matthew 27 is an honest view of what sin will do to just about any man that can get its hands on. Matthew 27 is not about any man. It's not about any man. It's about the matchless, marvelous Son of God. And listen, if sin, if your sin will do that to your Savior, what do you think it's going to do to you when it gets done? It's going to do a whole lot worse. Let me tell you something this morning. Matthew 27 is not where Matthew ends. There's one more chapter. You know what Matthew 28's about? The Bible said in James chapter 1, said, Brother Nathan, you asked this question and didn't answer it. I'll answer it here in just a second. James chapter 1 says, And sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. You know what that's another way of saying? The worst that sin can do is kill you. And that's bad. That's bad. Jesus Christ came to this earth. And he dwelt among us. He didn't take on him the nature of angels, but the nature of man. Not a sinful nature, but a human nature. And he looked at sin and he said, lay it on me. Give me your best shot. And you know what sin did? Gave him its best shot. And it killed him. It did exactly to Jesus Christ what it would do to any man. And you turn the chapter in Matthew 28, and you got some folks running down there to the tomb, running down there to the grave where Jesus was buried, and there's some fellows standing down there saying, what y'all looking for? Well, we're looking for this person that sin got a hold of and it killed. And they said, oh, you don't understand. This is Jesus. He's not here. He's risen. He's not here. He said, Brother Nathan, what's that got to do with me? What I'm telling you is that sin will wreck your life. Sin's going to kill you. You know what the answer to it is? Run to the one that it can't wreck. Run to the one that it can't destroy. You drunkard sitting in here, I'll tell you how to get off of that. You don't need no psychologist. You don't need no psychiatrist. You need Jesus. You got a problem dressing like a whore or a whoremonger? Huh? You got a problem conducting yourself the wrong way, being a floosy? I, I tell you, I mean it with all my heart. I tell you how to get that fixed. You don't need just a reform in your life. You need Jesus. Jesus can help you. Do you want to help? Jesus came by one day, found a fella laying beside a pool, and he said, 
Wilt thou be made whole? That's, that's Jesus' question to you this morning. Do you want to be made whole? He can do it. He can do it. Father, Lord, we thank you for your goodness this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that the message be taken to heart, God. And Lord, just pray you have your will and way. God, help us, Lord, to see an honest view, God, an honest picture of sin and what it really is. God, Lord, we make light of it. God, Lord, our flesh is just wired up the way, God, Lord, to love sinful things. God, help us. God, help us to take such a sober view. Help us to take heaven's point of view towards sin. God, work. Lord, I pray. Well, thank you for it in Jesus' name. Some have come this morning. Listen, if God spoke to your heart, why don't you come? Why don't you come? Do business with God. He said, Brother Nathan, I'm kind of cold about this thing towards sin. Well, listen, why don't you come let Jesus warm your heart?